Hey, this is Pastor Sam, and thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, guys, I'm excited to continue this Advent series. It has been so cool. It's been so cool. I love, I love that every Christmas season we kind of cover the same four things because it, it kind of connects us with the church at large, the church universal, because there are so many churches around the world that cover these same topics leading up to the Christmas season and, and through the Christmas season. And so it's, it's really, really, really a cool thing to be a part of. Um, so many of you who have uh, been coming to this church for a while, uh, you knew my parents, right? Because my parents came here um, for the first few years that they were here, but my mom uh, passed away in January of 2014, which is coming up on about three years. And um, when things like that happen, it, it sometimes makes certain seasons of the Christmas season difficult, you know? When you experience loss and when you experience uh, these different things around the holidays, it kind of paints the holidays in a, in a different light. And many of us have suffered loss, right? Many of us have suffered loss. Many of us have experienced pain. Many of us have, have dealt with grief. Many of us have, have navigated heartache, you know? And may, maybe for you, it was the passing of a loved one. Maybe for you, it's just strained relationships. And the holiday seasons kind of bring those things up. You bring up that you may not have talked to your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad in a long time, or people who you used to be really close friends with, you've lost touch, and so you feel that pressure, you feel that strain, and, but for some of you, maybe it's just the difficulty of life around the holidays. Maybe it's just, it's just tough, it's hard, maybe you're a single parent trying to provide, trying to make things happen, trying to juggle all the schedules and the holiday parties and the work and everything else, you know? Maybe it's just the strain of life, but if you've lived life at all, you've experienced difficulty. You've experienced these seasons. You've experienced these, these tough times. And so we've been in this Advent series. We've been in this series where we're looking at the Christmas season, and it's really easy to get kind of lost in the, in, in the, the happy and in the lights. But for some of us, there's some difficult times in, in this time. And so we've, we've spent week one looking at um, hope. And the overarching theme of this whole, whole discussion has been incarnation. We have this idea, Emmanuel, the idea that God is with us. This term incarnation means that God took on flesh and became human. And so that's kind of been the overarching theme of everything. And in week one, we looked at hope. And Chris shared with us about being hope people, right? He challenged us to be hope people, to live with this great expectation in life, this great expectation for good, and let that be a driving force in who we are. And then last week, Bob shared about peace. And it was incredible. He shared this term, shalom, with us. Which was, was this idea of, of the reconciliation, the redemption of all things. Of making peace with each other, making peace with God, making peace with nature and what God has created and all of creation. And it's just making all things right and, and, and reconciled. And that was such a beautiful thing. And, and he challenged us with the question, it's not the, the question, am I, am I doing enough? The question is, what more can I do? 
And it's shifting our perspective. What more can I do to bring shalom to the world? What more can I do to bring peace to others and peace to situations and peace to relationships and all of this? And so today, we're talking about the next kind of pillar in Advent. We're talking about joy. And sometimes joy is easier said than done. You know? Joy is one of those elusive things that it, sometimes it's easier to say, oh yeah, just be joyful. Well, I'm thinking about my stress at work. I'm thinking about my stress with my family. I'm thinking about my mom not being here. I'm thinking about all this stuff. Joy is oftentimes more elusive than we think. And so we, 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 we kind of skim through it and say, yeah, joy, oh yeah, that just means rainbows, butterflies, unicorns, and smiling all the time. It's like, well, no, no, that's not necessarily what joy means and how it kind of plays out in everyday life. So I want to spend a few minutes this morning just kind of looking at this concept of joy, this idea of joy and biblical joy and what the Bible tells us about joy and how to live that out. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into it. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that for the opportunity that we have to give, that we have the opportunity to be open-handed and generous. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to hang out with each other. That is such a blessing. You've designed us for community. And I thank you for that opportunity that we have, the freedom we have to do that. God, I thank you for the time of praise and worship and singing songs of adoration to you, being led by such talented individuals that point all glory to you. And God, I thank you for your word, for the truth and the encouragement that it speaks to us, the life that it gives us. God, we pray this morning that, that you would open us up and be, that we would be receptive to what you have for us today, that we would leave this morning encouraged, we'd leave fed, we'd leave challenged, we'd leave filled up, we would leave changed. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. So setting the stage for Advent, this kind of is in retrospect and now and for the coming, um, there's sort of three, uh, it's sort of a threefold implication to Advent, right? There's three implications for Advent. There's past, there's present, and there's future. And all of these different pillars of Advent apply to the past, it applies to us right now, and it's going to apply to us again in the future. A lot of scripture can be interpreted that way. What was the original intent when it was written? What does it mean to us right now? And what does it mean to us in the future, right? That's kind of the idea. And so this concept of Advent, if you notice, a lot of the Christmas themes are these thoughts, and especially in the Christmas carols, are these thoughts of like anticipation. Like it's coming, it's coming, it's gonna be here, it's gonna be here. There's a reason for that. Because all of this, when it originated, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for Jesus to show up. And it wasn't just like um, waiting for summer break through a school year, right? It wasn't just like waiting for Christmas starting in January for next year. It wasn't something like, guys, they were waiting for some like 400 years, even further than that. But there's this space. In your Bibles, you know how it says Old Testament, and then you turn a page, and then it says New Testament, after Malachi, before Matt. Do we know what a Bible is? Okay, we have that down. That's good. So when you turn from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew, usually there's like a blank page there in the middle. You know what that blank page stands for? 400 years. It's called the intertestamental period. 400 years where there was not really any new information given from God to his people. And so you know what they were doing? Waiting. They were waiting in anticipation because the prophets and the people in the Old Testament were like, listen, a Messiah is coming, a king is coming to reconcile, to make things right, to, to, to rescue Israel, to do all these different things. A king is coming, the Messiah will be born. And so when you're talking about hope, 
When you're talking about hope in the original thought of Advent, it's like there is hope in this Messiah that is coming. And it's going to be incredible. When you're talking about peace, you're thinking this Messiah is going to bring peace to the persecution that we're experiencing, peace in the slavery situations that we find ourselves in. There was great anticipation for the Messiah to show up. When you talk about joy, they're saying when this Messiah gets here, our joy will be fulfilled. We are going to experience such great joy. That's where we get this joy to the world, the Lord is come, right? This is why I don't sing, but you get it? That's why there's so much anticipation building. So there's a past application to all this stuff we're talking about. This meant something really huge to people a really long time ago. But the reality is, it can mean something to us right now as well. Because in the present, when we're talking about hope, like Chris said, we need to be hope people. We need to be people that have this confident expectation of good. We can be peace people, like Bob talked about, and we can bring shalom into this world, asking what more can I do to bring peace to my workplace? What more can I do to bring peace to my family? What more can I do to bring peace to our neighborhoods, to our cities, to our communities, to our country? What more can I do to bring peace into this world, in the here and now? And in the here and now, when we're talking about joy, there's joy is, is one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. It's through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and it supersedes circumstances, right? You, you've heard the, the old phrase, uh, happiness comes from circumstances, but joy comes from the Lord, right? It's this idea that it supersedes the ups and downs of life, and so we can live joy now, but then there's also a future application to all this stuff that we're talking about as well. There's this future application of Christ's ultimate redemption, because you know when he left, he was like, hey, I'll be back right? You thought Arnold originated that. Jesus was the dude who said that. He's like, dude, I'm coming back. And so there's this hope for the return of Jesus. There's this peace as we rest in Jesus, knowing the end of the story as outlined in scripture. And so there's a peace and leaning hard into that. And there's a joy at the thought of the reconciliation of all things, that God reconciles all things to himself and redeems all things. And so we hear this and we say, yeah, man, that's really inspiring. That sounds really exciting. You even got a little bit louder when you talked about it, right? It sounds great. It sounds wonderful. But what does this actually look like? Because conceptually, it's great. Yeah, joy supersedes circumstances. Yeah, I got it. But what does that look like when circumstances really suck? And what does that look like when you're waiting for 400 years to hear from God? In reality, in real life, how does this work? How does this concept of joy work? You see, in the English language, we've translated the Bible to English. Did you know that, that uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not write in English? Do we, do we know this? Yes, Bible reading 101, okay? Uh, Jesus did not come to America. Did we know this? Did we know that he's a Middle Eastern man? Okay, okay, good, that's step one. Um, but when we translate the Bible into English, we lose some of the different you know, meanings of the words that were originally used. And so when you hear pastors or theologians who ever say, well, in the original Greek, the reason they're saying that is because it was written, the, the New Testament was written in, in like Latin and Aramaic and or, or Koine Greek and all these different languages came together. And so when we're looking at this Koine Greek, it gives us some insight into the original intention of the words that were used. That's why we go there. We don't do it to be like, look at how smart I am. I know how to use Google, Right? Like that's, that's not the goal, right? The goal is to kind of make it come alive to us so we can say, oh, okay, that's 
what it means. Got it, cool. And so the English language defines joy as feeling great pleasure and delight. That's what joy is, feeling great pleasure and delight. It's this idea of, of extreme bliss, right? That's this concept of joy. I don't have to explain it to you. You all know what joy means. But in scripture, the word that's translated for joy, to mean joy in English, is this Greek word that's, that's, that's kara. Everybody say kara. All right, now you know how to use Google too. That's awesome. Kara, right? And it's this word that literally means the awareness of God's grace and favor. The awareness of God's grace and favor is translated to joy for us. The awareness of God's grace and favor. So essentially, biblical joy is grace recognized. It's grace recognized. It's an awareness of God's grace and favor upon us. Translated, joy. That's what joy is. It's not feeling I'm having a yippity-skippity day, right? It's an awareness of God's grace and favor. And so when you say, okay, Sam, how is joy possible now? How were you able to find joy in January of 2014 when you lost your mom? How, how do people find joy in these circumstances? How do people find joy in strained relationships? How do people find joy when they lose their job? How do they find joy when everything around them seems like it's going crazy, aka the whole year of 2016? How do we find joy in the midst of all that? How does that happen? It's recognizing grace, the grace and favor of God. Essentially, it's this. It's when we have an adequate understanding of our relationship to God and an adequate understanding of God's relationship to us. When we're able to kind of wrap our heads around that, our relationship to God and God's relationship to us, it makes it possible to live joy now. It makes it possible to have joy that supersedes circumstances. You see, our relationship to God, you know what it should be? Total trust and dependence. That's our relationship to God. God's not lucky to know us. We're lucky to know him, right? We get so busy asking people to pray, God, guys, make sure you're praying, make sure you're talking to God. And we often realize, forget how much of a privilege it is that the God of the universe even wants to talk to us. That's a huge deal. We get it so flipped upside down and backwards. But in order to achieve joy in the here and now, to live joy, to experience joy, to be joy, we have to understand that our relationship on God is total dependence and trust. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says this, and we've looked at this passage before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Remember we said that phrase, lean not, means don't prop yourself up with your own understanding. Don't make you think that you got it all under control and that you're in charge, right? Lose that real quick. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Who we are in relation to God, we need to take on a posture of trust and dependency. If we want to experience joy in the here and now, we need to take up a posture of trust and dependency with God and realize that's our relationship to him. We trust him. We depend on him. Because if you're lacking joy, chances are you're trusting yourself. You're lacking a posture of trust and dependency upon God. 
If you're struggling with joy, chances are you're depending on yourself. We've lost sight of who we are in relationship to God. And so it's very vital that we wrap our heads around who we are in relationship to God, but it's also important for us to understand who God is in relationship to us, how he connects with us, how he views us, and how his side of the relationship works. And so in Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39, it says this, because God's relationship to us is total, unconditional love. Total, unconditional love. Our relationship to him is trust and dependency. His relationship to us is love. It says we are more than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. And then he kind of goes on a rant here. I love it. Because I, I feel like, it makes me feel like the Romans were kind of questioning this a little bit. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Ha, 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 Check this out. He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth. And I'm sure he kept getting louder and louder and louder as he was writing this. His pen probably broke because he was pressing so hard. He's like, and neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Bam, mic drop. That's what Paul's saying here to these Romans. He's saying, what's God's relationship to us? He loves us more than anything. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing, let me name a few things, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. That's pretty incredible. That's God's relationship to us. Our relationship to him, trust and dependency. This posture of leaning hard into him. And God's relationship to us is that my love is for you and it's bigger than you can even understand. It's bigger than you can even comprehend. It's bigger than you can wrap your little tiny finite minds around because it's ever expanding. He says, I love you more than anything that you can possibly wrap your heads around. So joy is this idea of grace realized, the grace in favor of God. It's embracing that. It's embracing the dynamic of our relationship with God. It's understanding that we trust and depend and follow God and God loves us unconditionally. And when we have that understanding that that's how life is and we're no longer trusting ourselves and we're no longer insecure and understanding if God really likes us and cares about us, when those things are worked out and in the background, then joy is made possible. Because when life seems to be falling apart, you can freely say, yeah, this really, really sucks. Yeah, this is really, really hard. But my posture is dependency on God. And I trust that God's got everything under control. And why do I trust that? Because I know he loves me more than anything in the whole wide world. That he loves me more than I've ever been loved by anything ever. And it enables us to have joy that supersedes circumstances. Does that make sense? It's setting up and positioning ourselves to live in joy. It's not gonna be rainbows, unicorns, and you're not gonna poop out like technicolored ice cream. You know? You guys seen that commercial for the squatty potty where the unicorn does the, no, yeah, no? You're better, you're better for not seeing it. I have a mental image eternally of that. Sidetrack, back to it. Listen, it's not gonna be, jeez, it's not gonna be rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies all the time in your life. We know this. We know this. We've all experienced difficulty and, and we've all experienced these hard seasons and these tough things 
in our life. But when we have a dependency on God and understand that he loves us more than anything, it enables us to get through. It enables us to have this joy that supersedes any bad stuff that's happening around us. We're able to have this joy and this peace and this hope and all of it when we're able to kind of get our perspective of what our relationship with him looks like. You see, it's interesting when I think of the love of God. It's, it's, for some of us, it's hard to comprehend. You know, when I had my son Jude, um, it was really, really special, my first son, right? And, and I didn't think that I could love anything in the whole world more than I love that little blonde-headed baby, right? It's just like, well, my, my love is full. That's it. Can't have any more kids because this is it. Won't like them as much. And then, I mean, it's a reality, and if you're a parent and you haven't thought that, you're lying. Um, and then I had Titus. And it was like, whoa, you mean I can love Titus as much as I love Jude? What? And it was beyond anything I could even comprehend, you know? Because honestly, when I had Jude, I was like, that's it. This is it. This, this is it. I did the Mufasa Simba thing. That was it, right? Jude was it. And then Titus, and it was like, I can't do it with two hands, but I can try. And then I had Monroe, my sweet baby girl. <sighs> And dads, if you have a sweet baby girl, I didn't know that kind of love could exist. You know? It's like I had these two boys and they were my boys. We were the three amigos. Yes! You know? Right? Like that was the thing. We were there. And then I had Monroe. And it was like, wow, that kind of love can happen? I can love this much? It's beyond anything I could understand. And then I had Jackson. I only have four, so this story's almost over. But... Then I had Jackson. And those of you who have seen Jackson, you know, holy crap. It's incredible. Like he just, he looks up at me like this. It's over. The other three can go jump off a cliff. I got Jackson, right? But not really, but kind of. Um, <laughs> just being honest and transparent here. And, um, and it's this love that I'm like, man, I could have never fathomed this. And those of you who are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, I, I, I didn't even know that this was possible because when, when, when I landed Amber and c- tricked her into marrying me, I thought I had arrived, right? I was like, whoa, like love cannot get, and then Jude and then Tice and then Monroe and then Jackson. And this grace just, or this love just kind of expands and expands and expands. And many of us, we have a hard time understanding the love of God for us. But what I feel for Jude and Titus and Monroe and Jackson and Amber and the love that I, that doesn't even scratch the surface of the love that God has for you and the love that God has for me. Even in all my shortcomings, even in all your shortcomings, even though I suck a lot and a lot of you suck a lot too, (laughs) God loves you so much. It's incredible. And when we're able to embrace that, when we're able to lean into that and to trust that and depend on that, it enables this joy to take place. It enables us to live this life of joy because relationships, or because circumstances come and go, but our relationship with God can be that constant. It can be the anchor in the storm. It can be, it can be the joy that carries you through this life and you can live joy now. 
It doesn't have to be something that was the Israelites were waiting for their Messiah, for their joy to come. It doesn't have to be in the future where we're waiting for joy to be the redemption of all things. We can live joy now when we recognize our relationship and who we are in relation to God and how much he truly cares for and loves us. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're struggling with joy. You know, maybe your life is like a roller coaster. Some seasons are good, some seasons are not so good. But you're lacking that constant. You're lacking that, that perspective of who you are in relationship to God and you doubt the love of God. You doubt that he cares for you. You doubt that he accepts you. You doubt that he forgives you of everything that you've done. Oh no, he couldn't forgive that. That was, no, 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 no. And so maybe you're struggling with this concept of joy. You're allowing circumstances to dictate your happiness. And so maybe you need to shift your perspective and shift your perspective to a perspective of trust and dependence. This idea, I know I say it all the time, but he's got the whole world in his hands. Maybe you need to shift to that perspective and realize that you're not in control anyway. So stop living so stressed out and lean hard and trust in God. Recognize your posture of dependency upon him. Maybe you need to stop trying to run the show and stay in stressed. Maybe you need to find joy in the truth that he's got it and he's got you. Maybe you're in here and that's a conversation that you need to have with God this morning. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to shift your perspective of God's relationship to us. Maybe you need to embrace how he feels about you and how he loves you unconditionally. Do you hear that? He loves you unconditionally. Even if you fought your spouse all the way to church this morning, he loves you and your spouse unconditionally. Maybe you're at, at odds with a family member. Guess what? He loves that family member and he loves you unconditionally. So maybe we need to shift our perspective and receive the love of God that goes beyond what our brains can even comprehend. That's ever expanding. That's ever expanding. He loves you so much and he loves us so much. You see, joy is grace realized. It's realizing the grace and favor of God and then living in that. And so this morning what I want to do is I want the band to lead us in a few more songs, but I want to give you guys an opportunity because if you're struggling with this idea of trusting God, of leaning hard into God, of taking up a posture of dependency upon God, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to him about it. It's okay. It's okay to have a conversation with God and say, dude, I'm having a hard time with this, man. Like, I'm not sure about this whole thing. It's okay to have those conversations with God. Your prayers don't have to be super ornamented and, oh, dear Heavenly Father who's sitting in the throne room that your train fills the temple, let me approach you. You say, God, dude, what he's talking about, I'm having a hard time with that. I need some help because I want to trust you. I want to lean hard into you because I want that joy. I need that joy. I want to stop trying to run the show myself, but I want to lean hard into you. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I want to give you the opportunity to say to God, God, that love he's talking about, I, I need that. I want that. I desire that. Lay it on me. Give it to me. What do I got to do? Let's make this happen and work it out with him.
but I want to give you that opportunity. We've created this space. We've carved out this time to make that happen. And so here's the deal. While the band is leading, you have a, a bunch of different things you can do. If you feel like you need someone to pray with you, you need someone to pray for you, come up to this front and people will come and pray for you. People will pray with you because we want to share this with you. We want to carry this with you. This is a faith community. We're, un- we're a community, but we're united by caring with one another and chasing after Jesus. And so if you need help and you want prayer, come on up. We'll pray with you guys. If you want to just respond yourself, if you're more like, no, I don't need somebody else. I need God right now. Me and him need to do work. Then make that happen at your seat. You can do that. If you want to sit down, you want to kneel at your seat. You want to stand and you want to sing at the top of your lungs right now, you can do that too. Anna's about to sing one of my favorite songs in the world. I'm going to be singing singing at the top of my lungs. But I want you to have feel freedom to respond this morning. Feel free to connect with God because that's what this space is for. That's what this time is for, is to do business with God and say, God, I want to experience your joy. I want to live in your joy. I want to live in your hope. I want to live in your peace. I want to live in your joy and make that happen in my life. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this Advent season. I thank you so much for the hope that it brings to the forefront. I thank you so much for the peace it brings to the forefront. And I thank you so much for your joy. And God, for those of us that are in this room, and we need to work on our perspective of who we are in respect to you and take up a posture of dependency and trust, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to do work in us right now. God, for those of us who need to understand who you are to us, that you love us with an ever-expanding, unconditional love. I pray that we would remove the walls and barriers that we've created and allow that truth to sink in and to change us. But God, I pray for everyone in this room this morning that we would encounter you and we would do work with you and allow you to do work with us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, challenged you, and that you experience true life change. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc.